is Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you, 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And coming up, we're going to be talking about, well, excuse me, we're going to be talking too many words, not enough time Radio to actually professionals listen. Yes. <laughs> Venezuela is privatizing, it sounds like. Uh, they're selling some of their state-owned stocks to private individuals, presumably this is, well, I mean, realistically, this is an admission that cap- uh, socialism failed. But, of course, they won't spin it that way. And the socialists that we deal with here in the West won't ever acknowledge that. They'll just, well, it was never real socialism anyway. That's what they'll say. We're also going to be talking about how young people are no longer saving. That's not really a surprise. But I want to start out by talking about Jordan Peterson because this is hilarious to me. Jordan Jordan Peterson, he's like this anti-snowflake guy, right? Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about who this guy is, because I've heard he's a Canadian, right-winger, speech-giving kind of guy. I don't know much about him, except he he's one of these people like Ben Shapiro, right? That's, that's what I think of, and I've never listened to him talk just based on the people who have said, oh, I think that you would like listening to Jordan Peterson. I've been like, oh, so he's like Ben Shapiro. Yeah, he's just this sort of... Middle-aged men rights activist, you know, we have to, he's like a lightweight version of Christopher Cantwell, I would Mm. argue. Mm. And I mean a lightweight version. I don't mean he's a Nazi or anything like that. I just, he's in that same exact direction, just not going nearly as far as Christopher Cantwell would. Well, he has now quit Twitter after getting into an argument with, seems like a lot, a large portion of Twitter about mm. Yumi News, okay, Yumi News Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover, saying that she's mm. not beautiful. Now, this is a uh, heavier woman who evidently was the cover model for the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, which is one of four. There were four so different four cover different models. Covers. This isn't unusual for Sports Illustrated to have more than one uh, cover model okay. for the swimsuit edition. I don't know it on what year they started doing that. Maybe it's been a very, very long time. But uh, they had her, uh, Kim, Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, Elon Musk's Ew. mom. Kim Kardashian Ew looked again. hot. She looked awesome. And <laughs> she uh, looks like she's made out of plastic. And a well, woman she got Sierra. Oh, Sierra. She, um, Kim Kardashian got some of her butt implants removed, and she looks really good. Okay, so she's like 4% less plastic today <laughs> than she was? Yeah, I, I'm no fan of Kim Kardashian, but at least I can understand why she would be on a, a swimsuit edition. She's kind of your classically beautiful um, woman, I guess. But this this lady, Yumi New, in my opinion, does not belong on the cover. Well, her, <laughs> i got to share this guy's opinion. I mean, she's beautiful, right? She <laughs> nah. she has an absolutely beautiful face. Okay, she has a beautiful face, face. yes. Um, then it ends. And yes. her, her <laughs> yeah. swimsuit picture on Sports Illustrated is obviously photoshopped because she has a nice, like, curvy body in that in that picture. But if you see any other pictures of her on, like, red carpets that aren't photoshopped, she's just a big block and she's ugly. Well, that's the issue I have with Kim Kardashian as well. Is that a lot of the pictures, probably the one on the Sports Illustrated cover yep. of Kim Kardashian, are heavily photoshopped. It's almost yeah, a guarantee. If you're on a magazine cover, you're almost certainly going to be photoshopped. I mean, back in the day, they did what was called airbrushing, right? Which is just photoshopping, isn't it? No, airbrushing was was actual physical retouching of, of oh. imagery. 
Well, all, all, he's also an author, Jordan Peterson is, and I don't know what else he does. I don't know a whole lot about his political beliefs because I don't pay any attention to him. I just have a general idea of, okay, he's one of these right-winger guys. Mm-hmm. He announced that he was quitting Twitter after receiving backlash for calling plus-size model Yumi Nu not beautiful. Nu, who is also a singer-songwriter, made history last year as Sports Illustrated Swimsuit's first, quote, Asian curve model. Now, presumably by curve model, they mean heavy? Cause it's, most it's, of- like, it's so funny because she, her real body, not the one on the Sports Illustrated uh, picture, doesn't have any curves. I'm like... I don't know how much percent body fat, but I'm a lot skinnier than her. And I have an actual like curve to my stomach. She is just a big refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's a fat girl. She she is heavy. And, you know, you can be however you want. It's your body. But normally, at least when I was growing up, magazine covers were relegated to people who were generally considered almost unattainably uh, beautiful. But now they're trying to do something woke. Uh, with these uh, these magazine covers, think- and and in my opinion, it's a desperate attempt to stay relevant for an industry that is on the way out. Hmm. Well, I think the most woke part about this is that it is Sports Illustrated. If it was Vogue or something like that, I don't think it'd be as much of a conversation, or I think it'd be a lot stupider for anybody to care. Hmm. But it's just like it's this constant agenda of you can be fat and healthy, and you can't. No, you can't be fat and healthy. I do take issue with the with the presenting heavyweightness or obesity or being overweight as a matter of health because it's not. It's distinctly unhealthy. However, I don't take issue with them using models that are not conventionally attractive because there is sort of I, I don't I wouldn't want to use the word crisis, but there is an issue where you know teen girls on Instagram they're they're being fed false images of people like Kim Kardashian and they're being misled to believe that if if they have any blemishes or any imperfections whatsoever then they have to become bulimic, starve themselves I agree or with whatever. You there. And then of course you've got the filters which make that matter even worse. Cause... Yeah, people wear filters on their face like uh, YouTubers I follow or something that I like it. I'm like, wait, it, it shows you what pro. Uh, filter they're using you can click on it and put it on your your own face and uh well on instagram stories yes but on the instagram stories you can see uh what filters they're using from the stories if they made it from there Mm -hmm. and i'll put it on my face and be like whoa that's not what they look like at all now i mean i like when you can see that but a lot of times you can't see it and you just assume wow they're really pretty I never mess around with Snapchat filters, but I did recently because I was looking for the gender swap one because I feel like that would be really funny, mm-hmm. right? But I wasn't able to find it, but by just going through them, they are overpowered. They can take someone from like just ordinary plane, like not just woke up, dragged myself out of the bed, crawled downstairs, picked up my phone and used a Snapchat filter. Suddenly, I deserve to be on the cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? These things are ridiculous yeah. in how effective they are. And they went... They create this illusion, right? That these people out there who are taking these pictures, they're never going to be as hot and perfect and unblemished as that person in that photo. But that person in that photo isn't real. And a lot of people lose sight of that. And seeing all of these pictures of like Kim Kardashian and not this, I mean, she's got a beautiful face, this Yumi New model, but seeing all of these other models who are just perfect bodies, perfect faces, perfect everything. It's probably damaging to them to some extent. So I don't mind the conventionally unattractiveness. I just mind the fact that they're trying to portray being overweight as being totally healthy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think you're right in identifying, uh, right to identify both sides of this. The 
the unhealthiness of unrealistic beauty and pushing that on people is a is i think a real concern but it's that's always been true and it's probably worse now than it's ever been because of the things like the filters right like in the yeah. 90s or the 80s you know when we were growing up uh there, <laughs> there was this yeah, yeah there was this unattainable still that that beauty of wow look at these women or airbrushed they were airbrushed and but you couldn't do that on your own you you couldn't there was no such thing as photoshop uh back then you couldn't modify or facetune where you can literally just do it on your own iphone yeah now you get a a, this facetune app or whatever you downloaded this free app i've never heard of facetune is that apple only uh, I don't know if it's Apple only, but it's... Is that the one with the face swap inside it that we played with? Uh, fa- that's FaceApp, but okay. uh, FaceApp is like it too. Facetune is like, you can get a free version of it, you can also pay for it, and I know people, I won't out them, that they have to Facetune every picture before they post them, and I'll just, like, if I'm in the picture with them, I'm going to be like, I'm not Facetuning the picture, can I post this? They, I have to, like, ask them, because I <laughs> they'll be like, okay, that one's fine, because your followers don't follow me. Yeah, Literally, so, it's that... Oh, that's it, rough. And that's crazy. Like, I, I think that they have something, like, really bad insecurities. And it's crazy because the people I'm talking about are beautiful. Yeah. So that's the other side of this. And then, like you're saying, with this woman who... I mean, I'm glad she believes in herself or whatever. That's... I get the positive sort of go, go you message. I get that. But is this really going to sell magazines? I can't imagine that the people who are like, you know, body shaming is bad and, you know, big is beautiful. I can't imagine that's the same kind of person who's going to buy a swimsuit magazine, right? Because to them, that wouldn't that be degrading to women? Like you're just objectifying their bodies? What are your thoughts? 603-283-6160. When we get back, we're going to talk about exactly what Jordan Peterson did that made Twitter so angry. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160, if you would like to weigh in. That number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we're talking about, you know, Sports Illustrated, the, the idea of beauty in general, I guess, because... It, it, it also does depend in a large part, apparently, on where in human history you are. Like, there was evidently a time where someone with the body of this Asian model, uh, New, I forget her Yumi first name. New. Yumi New, would have been considered beautiful while some, or sexy while someone who was on the skinnier side, like, Bonnie, you use yourself as an example, or would not have been. I don't well, know. I, I think that's fake. The reality <laughs> is there's different preferences out there, and there always have been. Maybe so, uh, sorry, always, location. There have always, always been men who've been attracted to skinny people, and there have always yep. been men who've been uh, chubby chasers, for uh, lack of a better term, attracted to, to bigger women. And I know some chubby chasers. Yeah, and great. You know, I'm glad for that because it, it, there's somebody out there for everybody. Um, and, and this whole conversation is, is really interesting because it just it shows on both sides how unhealthy people really are. There's the unhealthiness of the obsession with perfection and the this sort of unattainable ideal of perfection because that's the that's the thing with perfection is you can never reach it right whether you're trying to right. make whether you're trying to make a, a video that you're editing the perfect video or you're trying to make your face. Are you the saying I'm not perfect? Face. 
you're very lovely and you're perfect <laughs> for me, Bonnie. Um, but whether you're trying Good to save, whether you're trying to perfect yourself, I mean, look at all these people that keep doing plastic surgeries, right? Like they're right. addicted to plastic surgery. They, they just they're never satisfied with how they look. There's always the next thing, and then they end up this crazy freak. That looks nothing like a human being at the at the end of it. You know, like, have you seen the Bogdanoff twins? Do you know who these guys are? No. Oh, you've probably seen them without knowing what their name is. It sounds like Bogdanoff. Bogdanoff. B o g d a n o f f. They're a couple of French guys. One of them died, and they're twins. I think they're both dead oh. at, at this point. I could be wrong about that. Uh, yeah, I think the other one died shortly after the first one. You've probably oh, seen their images. They look like gremlins. <laughs> These are two guys, twin brothers, who both went on the ins- the same insane uh, well, modification of their face. If your twin is getting more and more beautiful, maybe I when just... they first started off, <laughs> you might be like, oh, I, I have to do it too because I'm just going to look like the ugly twin. Dude, it's really tragic how they started out. They they were conventionally attractive. Maybe their noses were a little big. And that's yeah. probably how that's probably it, started. it started. Yep. But by the end of this, oh my God. <laughs> that's how I feel about so many celebrities. It looks, like they got, it looks like they're extremely allergic to bees and have just been repeatedly <laughs> stung in the face. Yeah, filler is disgusting. That, but that's also how I feel about like Ariana Grande. She con- was born conventionally attractive, extremely beautiful. And now she just looks like you've cut so much of your nose off. Like you can't cut any more off. And she has basically like these like faux Asian eyes that make her look really strange because she's just like a white girl. She has like a lift eye lift. She's not things. Hispanic. She's Hispanic? Nope, she's Italian. Everybody thinks she's Hispanic because she does so much uh, tanner. Okay. The, the name Grande is going <laughs> throw you off every time. So you've got that mm-hmm. side of it where people are trying to attain this unattainable beauty and they destroy, they destroy themselves in the process. Or if they're not actually modifying their face physically, they're using filters and then they're just destroying their mind because they can never be perfect in their mind and they can't. You know they don't want to show up somewhere in real life because there's no way to attain the the filter version of them in front of somebody. See, that's and, why I think makeup is probably where the best the best line in the sand is. Anything past that with these filters and all that, that's when you're getting to the the category of you know real illusion makeup. I can always put on makeup before I go meet someone, and then more or less look how I look in my pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I won't look that way if I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, but i got to be honest with you, you won't look the same way you do right now when you wake up at 4 o'clock. No one's pretty when they wake up at 4 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. So so then, on the, and then as we were saying, on the other side of it, you've got this glorification of being overweight, which, as you pointed out, Bonnie, is unhealthy. It is not healthy to be fat. You're going to die sooner. You're more likely to have things like a heart attack and other you know, physical health maladies. And if you don't get a heart attack, it's just harder to live. I had a girlfriend who was uh, very fat at one time, was my first girlfriend, and man, she had a tough time getting out of bed. She had a tough time getting out of the car. I felt really bad for her like that was not a life she wanted and so to encourage people to say oh it's fine now i don't think it's okay to shame somebody i don't think that's going to help somebody right no body shaming is not going to make them lose weight or anything like that but explain them like hey look this is about how you look no one's body shaming you because you're fat or because you're overweight or because your eyes are too close together well that's not an issue of their health or whatever (laughs) because you look ugly in glasses where we're informing you that, hey, driving without your glasses because you don't think they're pretty is dangerous mm-hmm. and it's probably going to shorten your life. Mm-hmm. Just like walking around with 40 or 50 excess pounds on you is probably going to shorten your life. Or 150. Yeah. 
Sorry, not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that, is what Dr. Jordan B. Peterson said. It's about un- this woman yes. in Sports Illustrated. Now, what he's referring to here is this idea that people can, you know, that magazines, the media, people like Sports Illustrated, they can, you know, by fiat declare that this woman is beautiful and everyone else must agree. And if, if you say that she looks gross, then you get canceled. Yes. And she doesn't look gross. I mean, and this is where I disagree with him. She's absolutely beautiful. She's just not sexy. And I don't know, maybe most people don't draw a distinction there, but I absolutely would. I'm not going to say she's she's beautiful. I get the point that you're making about she has a pretty face, Yeah, but the rest of her is not attractive in any way, shape, or form. That's true. But And that's just to you, you guys and, and also me. But I know some people that are like into bigger girls, so it is in the eye of the beholder. But don't try to force everyone to think that it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, that's ridiculous. And if everybody's beautiful, it's just nobody's beautiful. Excellent, that's point. true as well. And Ian, I think you're correct. I don't think I can say that she's beautiful. She does have a beautiful face, though, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's the most I can say about it. Twitter users were divided, with several of Peterson's own fans condemning him publicly for insulting a woman's looks. I don't know how, how did they discern that some of these people were actually his fans and not just people criticizing him for doing this? Yeah, just because you follow somebody doesn't mean you're their fan necessarily. No. Some argue that beauty standards have changed over time, as we were talking about earlier. I don't know if that's true or not, and it seems unlikely. It seems more likely that it's, it's what Ian brought up is that the artists who did these paintings back in the day, they, they had a thing for fat chicks or whatever. It's well, obvious. The. That's I've read some of the tweets that they're referring to where they're they're making the claims that, oh, well, standards, Mr. Peterson, you're wrong. Standards have changed over time. And I guess it just depends on who you ask. And and ultimately, it'll be interesting to see. We're never going to find out. Is uh, this magazine, Sports Illustrated, are they going to publish their sales numbers? Because I'm really interested to see of their four different covers, which one of them sells more copies than the other. I suspect we're never going to get that information. I suspect all of the magazines have the same women in them, don't they? Even if the cover is different. The inside, I believe, is the same, yes. But the covers are different. But, like, which one would you want sitting on your uh, table, you know? uh, I guess for a normal person, they probably... Okay, fair point. (laughs) I don't know what the solution here is. I don't know if standards of beauty have changed. I I don't know. But it's funny to me that the anti-snowflake Jordan Peterson has now deleted his tweet or he's left twitter probably got a lot more free time it's free talk live do you feel like your country no longer holds your values have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It 
is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Your thoughts and opinions are welcome. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to share those thoughts. 603-283-6160. With you tonight is Aria, Bonnie, and Ian talking about Sports Illustrated and Jordan Peterson here who who tweeted the the photograph of swimsuit model uh, Yumi Nu saying, sorry, not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. Which got him a fair bit of criticism on Twitter, as you might expect. You know, uh, Which is a liberal bastion, so yeah, yes. we expect that. Apparently, what, where they're getting this is people saying, I'm a huge fan of yours, but... I have to disagree. So some of these comments were from people claiming to be fans of his, but that doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't mean they anything. were fans. And if, you know, he initially attempted to to fight back against this this blowback that he got mm-hmm. from you know attempting to essentially bully this woman on the internet. Rage away, panderers, and tell me you believe that such images are not conscious and cynical manipulation. By the oh-so-virtuous politically correct. I'm not going to say that this was bullying in any way, shape, or form. He posted I'm using that word for profile. a specific reason, though. Okay. I mean, if, if he'd gone to her account and sent her a message or tagged her or something saying, boy, you sure are a big old whale or something like that and was really rude, then that would be bullying. I don't know. He posted it publicly. Yeah, but he didn't he, tag her. He has significantly more followers than she does, I'm sure. Well, it's so, just uh, posting an opinion. That's yeah, all it is. but the the range of what they can influence with their opinions are probably wildly different. I don't know if you can influence somebody by posting an opinion to change their viewpoint on what they consider to be attractive. Probably not. Well, then but if you can't, to... then his whole argument is invalid because he's saying there. This is all an agenda to make men think that fat people are hot. But is that his argument? And that's basically what he said. He said this is a conscious, I don't remember the exact words. He said this was a conscious and cynical manipulation by the virtuous politically correct to convince people. Yeah, so I I, I checked out of curiosity. Yumi Nu has about 10,000 followers on Twitter versus, Mm -hmm. you know, Jordan Peterson's, I don't know how many. And he's, as we're going to talk about soon, he's deactivated. He's got 2.7 million. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to share his opinion. No, he certainly should be able to share his opinion. I'm not saying he shouldn't, but if you have almost 3 million followers, he can't pretend like his words don't have an impact, essentially, and that they don't have reach and they don't have an effect on people. Well, look, if you're getting on the cover of Sports Illustrated, there's going to be a lot of people who have an opinion about you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and prior to Yumi New doing it, there have been other covers of Sports Illustrated in the past that have been talked about. There was a trans girl. Was that recently? Last year or yeah, something I think it was like, like that? last year. Yeah, uh, but prior to that, I mean, years years ago, I, you know, I don't remember what the controversies were, but they've been talked about. People have opinions about, oh, well, why did they choose this person over this person? Or, oh, this, this uh, image was too risque. You know, those sorts of things. There's always been, people have always had opinions about right. these things, and that's okay. Absolutely. However... And you should expect it if you are the cover model. Well, I mean, you kind of have to expect it anytime you do anything publicly. And that's kind of yeah. tragic in its own right. That, Especially breaking a norm. You better right. expect right. I mean, hated. we see that all the time yeah. here on Free Talk Live. With anytime we stream or and I'm on the show, it's just constant trend stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So Peterson initially attempted to defend himself and to defend his tweet, but finally he said, I recently stopped accessing Twitter for three weeks as an experiment. He wrote, I had some of my staff post video links, etc. It was a genuine relief. I started to read and write more. I started using it again a few days ago, and I would say that my life got worse almost instantly. I would say he's probably right about yeah, that. Yeah, social media is horrible. Yeah. I don't know. Twitter hasn't been making my life worse, and I've been way more active on it recently. It does take time, though. And if you would rather be doing something else, it can be a distraction from yeah. those things. So I, I totally understand where it is he's coming from. When I left Facebook, I instantly had more time available to do other things. And that was a really good thing. And Facebook was ultimately just a big time sink and, a, and really nothing good came from it. The endless flood of vicious insults is really not something that can be experienced anywhere else, he continued. I like to follow the people I know, but I think the incentive structure of the platform makes it intrinsically and dangerously insane. (laughs) Well, why is he so upset about insults when he went on Twitter to insult this girl? (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe he can dish it out, but he can't take it. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it than using the word bullying. I don't know where I got the word bullying from. Mm. I thought someone had mentioned it. But yes, he (laughs) insulted her and then other people sort of insulted him back. And he was like, I can't take this, more or less. So he told his staff to change his password, saying, well, so I told my staff to change my password to keep me from temptation <laughs> and am departing once again. So not only is, you know, he's not only is he a snowflake, but he also has no willpower. Can't do it himself. No. If I have something to say, <laughs> wow. I'll write an article or make a video. If the and issue- I'll tell my staff to share it on my profile. <laughs> Well, I, I sort of understand, you know, the, the reach ideas behind social media. I think they're probably not very effective, but they, they could be. If I have something to say, I'll write an article or make a video. If the issue is not important enough to justify that, then perhaps it would be best to just let it go. That's a really good way of looking at things, because if he, if he applied that to his tweeting habits, he would have never tweeted this crap about the Sports Illustrated model in the first place, because mm-hmm. that's not big enough or important enough to justify writing an article about. Mm. But for his perspective, it probably is, because this ties in with, I mean, again, I haven't never watched him speaking, but given that he's this sort of right-wing opinion person, uh, talk, uh, speech-giving person. I think he has a podcast, too. Yeah, I feel like he, I don't know if he's like a motivational speaker or what his deal is, but he's sort of known for speaking. And He was once considered the most influential public intellectual in the Western world. Wow. I don't know by whom. I remember. uh, By the New York Times. Oh, wow. Ben Shapiro got himself in a big spat with everyone when he made fun of the Cardi B song, WAP. <laughs> I remember that, yes. And people were Which we claiming that. I not say what that stands for, by the way. I won't, but people no. were uh, saying, Ben Shapiro, you're just mad because you don't know what that means. Or you don't have any personal experience with that and all this stuff. But Dude, it, it's he, basically the same thing. And um, we can't really talk about how that whole thing played out, but the whole time he just kept digging that grave deeper and deeper for himself <laughs> to the extent where it was just sad watching it play out. But this guy, he kind of makes his image based on 
attacking the left, attacking wokeism, right? So from that perspective, it's understandable why he highlighted this particular news story and wanted to share share an opinion about it. But it makes it even more sad that he couldn't take the insults, the constant insults and deleted his Twitter. Well, right? We've we've seen this so many times where the people on the right who make a point of calling the left snowflakes, they themselves are also snowflakes. And we've seen this time and time again. I don't remember who said it, but I first heard it from Will Coley back on the days that we did Call to Freedom. And he said, you know, left wing and right right wing snowflakes melt at the same temperature. <laughs> and and that's so true. And that temperature seems to be, you know, any amount of dissent whatsoever. Yeah. So that's that's more or less the story here about Jordan Peterson. It's sad. I guess, for his fans out there. But they're, they're going to do all sorts of mental gymnastics and engage in cognitive dissonance. Where No, no. He, well, Twitter's a wokest platform anyway, so it's no wonder he left, even though he didn't say anything about that and he never cited that as the reason for leaving Twitter. Mm-hmm. He essentially just said, oh, this is unacceptably toxic. I, I can't have these insults directed at me. Mm-hmm. And so he's quitting for the foreseeable future, having his staff change his password because he doesn't even have the willpower to just not log into Twitter. I caught a uh, ban on Twitter last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, I think it was my first time. Okay, I I got banned for calling Governor Sununu a fag. I got a like a I don't know. It seemed like a little longer than twelve hours, maybe most of a day ban for posting the link to the hundred and eighty page manifesto. It took him a oh. couple days. It took him like two or three days to get around to it, but they uh, they banned me for that and made me delete the tweet. I, I don't like that, that they make you delete it yourself. Yeah. That, that's that's so messy. It's like <laughs> Minecraft when you're playing on hardcore and you died. It, it makes you click that button yourself. This is unnecessary step. When we get back, though, we're going to talk about People's Magazine, another magazine that's trying to do what it can to stay relevant. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is on your mind, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And Bitcoin.com is the best place to go to learn about cryptocurrency. If you're new to the subject, you don't know anything about it, and you're curious what people are talking about when they talk about all of this cryptocurrency stuff, head on over to Bitcoin.com. Click Getting Started at the top of the page. Just take a few minutes out of your day to learn about this important world-changing information. It's so frustrating being a crypto advocate right now. It's not because the value is down or anything like that. That that's largely meaningless. It's completely meaningless We've to been me at the that moment. Before. Yeah. But at the moment it's completely meaningless to me. However, it's frustrating seeing people on social media who don't know what they're talking about saying things like, no, the U.S. dollar is strong right now. Get into the U.S. dollar. No, that's the exact opposite <laughs> of what people should be doing. I feel like you have to be a troll to be saying that. I haven't seen that. No, it's just people reacting emotionally, right? They, they Right now, from their perspective, yes, the USD is performing better against all of these other things. And it has. But if you look at actual products... It's like, not performing better than the Russian ruble. That's true. Well, it's, Again, not, it's not the best performing asset by far. No, but we're I mean, just comparing garbage uh, currencies here. We're talking about comparing fiat with fiat, government yeah. money with government money. These things do not even come into, they're not even in the ballpark of, of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Right. Not even close. 
But they've come to the conclusion that the USD is strong right now because everyone, because stocks are down, everything else that they, that is measured in USD is down except the actual prices of goods and services. They're ignoring that for some reason. They're ignoring that it's $4.50 per gallon of gas or whatever it is now, and that you can't find baby formula mm. and all of this other stuff. They're ignoring all of that when they say the USD is strong. So the hard times are coming. I would still suggest, and I think that people should hedge their bets against inflation. I think Bitcoin is a great way of doing that. Bitcoin.com, you can even get some Bitcoin there. But before you get some, you should learn about it. Because you don't want to, you don't want to be jumping into it like people did the NFT craze that that nonsense, right? Actually, learn about what you're doing, find out why it's important, find out why it matters, because no one was ever really able to give a good reason why NFTs matter. Bitcoin.com, that's where you need to go. So we were talking about magazines and Sports Illustrated. I'm sort of surprised to find that Sports Illustrated is even still a magazine because we are. I hate saying that, but it is 2022, and print print media has been dying more or less my entire life. Yeah, it was dying off prior to COVID, and of course, things got even worse for them during COVID because, well, people weren't leaving their homes to go to the newsstand, if any newsstands actually exist uh, in their town anymore, to purchase a physical copy of something. But interestingly, I, I was do just... occasionally buy a physical copy of the paper, but it's only like when one of us is mentioned in it. Yeah. And also when you need to paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I forgot about that. 2019. So there's a story here from Newsweek uh, in 2019. I just wanted to go and look because I thought to myself, well, how many subscribers does Sports Illustrated even still have? Because we've seen magazines have been hemorrhaging subscribers as people who are willing to read a physical copy of a thing die off. Literally. No, we can't include doctors or dentist offices in their subscriber numbers. Because I think Why that's because I think that's probably ninety percent of their subscriber numbers. <laughs> Maybe, mm. uh, but according to Newsweek, prior to COVID in twenty nineteen, Sports Illustrated had two point seven five million uh, subscribers. That is eerily similar to the number of followers Jordan Peterson has on Twitter. Actually, he had two point seven million. Mm. But well, go ahead. Do people buy Sports Illustrated for like? Porn or is that not really what it's it is? not porn? Like, are they naked inside? No, okay. they're wearing swimsuits. Just swimsuits. Okay. Uh, That's what I don't get. Right? I, I don't understand why people are buying these magazines when Maxim exists, and Maxim isn't porn either. But it's a lot closer to porn than Sports Illustrated. It's like, hmm. who? What? What niche is being filled here by Swart, Sports Illustrated swimsuit magazines that isn't filled by Hustler or Playboy or, or Google Maxim. Images? You can Google image absolutely any celebrity in a bikini you want to see. Now you're arguing for why no one should buy magazines, and and that's the point we're making here <laughs> is that you know younger people don't understand these delivery methods. These are uh, essentially anachronisms now. They're they're something out of time, right? Like they they don't yeah. really belong now, but they're still in existence because you know. Probably Sports Illustrated subscriber demographics are likely over the age of 50, uh, and so they're dying off over time. But what I found out was, this is something, again, I've never I've never read an episode of Sports Illustrated. I've never been into sports that much to care, even when people were into magazines. Uh, but the story here from 2019 is that they used to be a weekly publication. Wow. And they cut back from weekly to a monthly publication in 2019. So they went from doing 52 publications per year to 17. So 12, one for each month, four special editions, and the swimsuit uh, edition. So they cut their that business sounds more practical. way back. Yeah, it sounds crazy that 
somebody would be like, I need my new Sports Illustrated. It's only been a week. I mean, well, Newsweek is a a weekly magazine as well, or at least it used to be. I don't I know if it's still I think they stopped is. being a magazine a few years ago. Really? Newsweek? I think so. Well, when I was in high school, we, we were tasked with, you know, subscribing to Newsweek to stay up to date on all the current events in one of my classes. And it was nice. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was long. And you wouldn't expect a weekly magazine to be long. Like, if you get a monthly magazine, it's, you know, 150 be a pages. Yep. But these these were, you know, 15 to 20 pages. You flip through it. You stay up to date. And it's, it's It was neat. But it covered all news that was happening and not just, you know, Sports news. I don't hmm. what is there so much happening in sports that it required a weekly magazine ever at any point? Absolutely. I think so, yeah. Just from hearing my dad and brother and sister talk, I, I believe that there is. Don't tell me ask me to tell you about any right. of it, but I, oh. they always have something to talk about about it. Like so and so got traded to so and so, dude. Apparently, sports ball. Apparently <laughs> Newsweek came back. So they ended publication of their print edition all the way back in twenty twelve. And then somebody else bought it and uh, apparently brought it back to print, which is like something you do not expect to see happen at all. But because most magazines are slowly going out of business, and that was the story that I had relating to uh, to that tonight, according to the New York Post. People magazine, probably one of the most recognizable magazines, right? Anybody who's ever been through a cash register, a checkout. That's one a, of these celebrity mags, right? Basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it's been around for 48 years, People Magazine, and it's always been, like Sports Illustrated was, a weekly thing. And now uh, they are probably going to get rid of the print edition, at least the well, weekly version of People Magazine. Yeah, I just assumed it was a monthly thing. When I see a magazine, I assume it's a monthly thing, just because it's so impractical to have it done weekly that... But, you know, someone once got me a subscription to People Magazine. I never paid attention to how often I was throwing these away. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it was someone, I, I imagine they were trolling me or something. It happened when I ran for sheriff. I just started oh, really? receiving people's magazines in the mail. Weird. Mm. Yeah. I, weird. I never signed up for them. They were addressed to me, right? It was clear. It wasn't huh. a mistake, but I never read any of them. I just Did you get like a year subscription? And then... it, it had to have been about a year subscription, yeah. I Amazing. haven't gotten one in a long time, I don't think. But like I said, I never paid attention to how often I was throwing these away anyway, because yeah. I'm not going to read this crap. Thank That's you, so I guess, weird. to whoever got me the subscription. If it was meant to be a, a gesture of kindness, thank you for the for the you know materials to the burn. Garbage. You <laughs> don't strike me as a celebrity gossip type. No, it's very, yeah. very peculiar. Staffers at People, the 48-year-old fixture in grocery checkout lines, beauty salons, and doctor's offices known for its sexiest man alive cover are bracing for the magazine to go online only after Dot Dash Meredith. These magazine companies have the weirdest names. Dot uh, Dash Meredith? The, yeah, it's actually spelled D-O-T-D-A-S-H as one word and then the name Meredith. Uh, a unit of billionaire Barry Diller's IAC shuttered a slew of print publications, sources close to the situation set. Those include Entertainment Weekly and the fashion glossy InStyle, which once oozed profit and was thick with advertising pages. I remember Entertainment Weekly from uh, from back in the, the 1990s. I, I used to read that one in the doctor's office when I would go with my uh, my parents or whatever. I always had the latest on like the new movies that were coming out and, and things like that. That apparently is gone now. Uh, people, the main place that I've read any of these is like in a hair uh, salon hair waiting salon. for them. Like I've read the InStyle ones and... Yep, There's now, other ones. Now it's gone. Uh, people, meanwhile, faces getting the axe despite claiming the largest audience of any U.S. magazine for nearly a decade until 2018 when it surrendered the title. 
<laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I so want to guess, but I don't even know if I can name. It's hard to pick magazines. Magazine. It's a magazine. Right? Yeah, it surrendered the title to a magazine. TV You'll guide. Never guess it. That's a good guess, but no, <laughs> that's not TV a joke, Guide. Actually. We talked about TV Guide recently on uh, Free Time Talk Live, Magazine. That's another one that's gone from being weekly to, to not weekly what was anymore. It? TV Guide. Okay. Yeah, I'm never going to guess which Time? one. AARP, the American Association of Retired People. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes perfect sense, it does. though. Because there are more retired people than ever, apparently. And they're the ones likely to still be reading print publications. Ah, uh, yeah. Well. Uh, so we can talk a little bit more about what's happening to Peoples, as well as the whole magazine industry coming up. We're also going to be talking about witches and aliens coming up and what the U.S. military is doing with the occult. 603-283-6160. There is more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves, share your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. Talking about that that old subject, the collapse of old media. I mean, this is, this is always a thing that's happening, right? The old media is always dying and always giving birth to new media. It's an ongoing, continual changing process, right? Radio wasn't always there. There used to be town criers. True. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the... What is that? It was someone just standing on the street oh. corner, you know, crying about the news. Or mm. They were called here, time. here. Yeah, essentially that. And the, the, you know, then radio came along and it put the entire industry of town criers right. out Where of business. Are they? <laughs> I feel like that was me in high school. Like if some crazy thing happened, I'd be like, you'd tell everybody about it. Everyone, this and just th- happened. But you weren't getting paid. <laughs> and now there's internet and stuff like that, which have changed the game yet again and put, you know. Fox News, uh, their their television shows are down. It, it's hard to even talk about Fox News because they these old mainstream media sites that they they were smart enough to realize that they had to get on the internet. They had to create a web presence. Yep. So there is a Fox News website. There's a Fox News YouTube channel. They have all of that stuff. So they weren't too late, but their their number of followers is laughable compared because mm-hmm. we looked into this once before. Where Fox News would have a few million followers or whatever, other people would have, you know, 10 million. I don't even think Fox News has a million followers on YouTube. 
Well, you bring up an interesting point, and it was something that I saw earlier today. Elon Musk, uh, of course, has been, for those that haven't been paying attention to what's been happening with his uh, alleged or supposed acquisition of Twitter, he's put that on hold. Uh, he said, well, we're not, gonna, we're not moving forward with this $43 billion purchase until Twitter can give us some firm numbers about how many bots there actually are on Twitter. He's saying, Twitter's saying, oh, no, it's less than 5%. Musk is saying it's probably more like at least 20%. Others have said it may be as high as 50%. Somebody did an, an it audit. It probably depends on how they define bots, right? Because... Mm-hmm. For the longest time, my my Twitter account was just being upgrade, updated by my Telegram account. I would post something to Telegram, and it would send it out to you know my Facebook page and my Twitter and all of these other and True. my Mastodon. So would that qualify as a bot account? Well, were you going on Twitter too and interacting with people? No. Then it sounds like a bot to me. So there was. Some- but I'm a real person who owns the account. I just have a bot managing it for me. Yeah, but. Still a bot because you wouldn't like see something if someone commented it on it. That's that's true. I I would not ever even see the notification. We're on Facebook, and I will see the notification. I'll just ignore it. Hmm. Well, you, what you brought up is the fact that there there's these old media that has this audience, this built in uh, audience that they've earned. They've earned over many many years, many decades, but. When it comes to their online audience, it looks larger than it is. And somebody gave the example of the New York Times. And if you go and you pull up the New York Times profile and you look at uh, the amount of interaction that they get with the things that they post, they're getting nearly nothing compared to the the number, the huge number of followers that they have. Now, I don't have it in front of me, but my recollection was like over 800,000 followers. I, I could see this, and each tweet probably has like two or 3,000 reactions or likes no. or retweets. Like three. Whoa. What? That bad? Yeah. Wow. Wait, which magazine? Sorry. The New York Times. Hmm. Not just not a magazine, but one of the most allegedly popular and influential uh, news sites out there okay so i'm sorry not 800,000 53 million followers to the new york times account on twitter oh you're right they rarely even break you know triple digits here yeah and they had showed uh something that was posted more than 15 hours prior and there were only a handful of comments i mean so yeah i'm I'm looking here at the last several hours from nine nine hours ago 16 comments uh, 32 comments, four comments, 47. There's one with 450 that got shared around a little bit. But you'd think with 53 million followers, like that's when, an insane number of followers. Yeah, when Elon Musk posts, every one of his posts get thousands of comments within minutes. So there's a huge difference, like a huge ocean of difference between the interactions that the old media is getting and somebody who's actually like a real person, like. Like Elon Musk. That's a good point. Uh, that may be where the the New York Times and these other companies are failing by not having social media managers who are interacting with people out there on Twitter. Because I will say this, you know, the more I reply to people or like their retweets or like their replies or whatever, the more of those things I get. Mm-hmm. Right? If I just post something and ignore all the all the retweets or the comments or whatever, I don't tend to get more retweets and more replies. I, I don't seem like a real, I seem like a bot at that point. Hmm. So by interacting with people, you do have that, you do encourage them to continue following you because, hey, you're at least willing to interact with them.
So what turned me on, to, I was turned on to another handy little Twitter tool that somebody invented today when I saw someone reporting that they put Joe Biden's profile into this tool, and apparently he's got like 22 million followers on Twitter. But the tool is a website called SparkToro. See, I don't think Joe Biden should be allowed on Twitter if he Donald Trump staff. isn't allowed on Twitter. I, yeah, I see what you're saying there, but it's probably not even Joe Biden. It's no, probably what, somebody that, in his that's office. That's true. And it, what, they, like, it was definitely Donald Trump. Don't they pass down the uh, the Twitter account to the next president? Because it's literally at POTUS. Yeah, so there's two. he has two accounts. One is mm-hmm. at POTUS, which is owned presumably by the government, uh, the federal government gang. And then there is his own personal account. But somebody, I, I presume it was the POTUS account they put into it because they said it had 22 million followers. And his POTUS account does have uh, does have that, but they put it into this website called Spark Toro S P A R K T O R O that uh, that that claims to be able to determine what amount of your follower count is fake. How many people who are following you are actually not people at all, but are as they describe it here, accounts that are unreachable and will not see the account's tweets either because they are spam. Bots, propaganda, etc., or because they're just no longer active on Twitter. And they put his account in there and found that 50% of his 22 million followers were considered to be fake followers. I just put my account in there, 20.5% of the people following me on Twitter, fake. And they say that the the average, I guess, of fake followers there is 18.5, or the median, sorry, is uh, 18.5% accounts with a similar size following to me, which I don't have a whole lot. I've got like 2,000, uh, is around 18.5%. So I have slightly more than the uh, the medians. Do you have to create an account? No. They, uh, they'll let you do it like six times a day or something. There's a limit. You can pay them for a, a paid account, but... It's kind of interesting, and so this is this is that does be... suggest that it's higher than you know uh, Twitter says. Twitter. Oh yeah, that's the thing. This Elon Musk is going to be using this kind of information to try to negotiate a lower price to purchase Twitter, and they're not happy about it. No, I, and I've seen this a few. I've seen this a few different times on the internet where you know he's like, I may have to offer you a lower price. I'm like, no, we're going to force you to pay this price that you initially mm-hmm. offered us. It's gonna be it's gonna be messy. Oh yeah. Whatever whatever happens with Twitter, it's gonna be messy, and I sort of look forward to it. Yeah. So and then you, since we're talking about Twitter, I'll I'll just mention it. Uh, Project Veritas has been doing their undercover operations against Twitter employees now, and they've that's gotten, right. I forgot about that. They've gotten the Twitter people. They've only they've only released two so far. Two uh, men working for Twitter. One of them claims that uh, there there's a bunch of communists working at uh, Twitter, and that no one has to actually even show up to work to get paid. They just show up whenever they feel like it. That they they admit in the the interviews that they don't make any money. It's not profitable because they're focusing only on ideology. I mean, and that whole thing, people only show up to work when they feel like it. That sounds like a decentralized autonomous organization, right? Which is a good way of doing this. Except it's not. Except uh, the people who invested in this are, you know, paying people to not work. That's right. Right. DAOs are a good thing. I mean, that's what they're designed to do. Twitter, however, is a corporation that is supposed to have a staff that requires people to actually do their jobs and that sort of thing. It seems like they're... Their legal team is probably the only people at Twitter who actually do any actual work. Yeah, he said that they're not making a profit. No, how could they? They they banned too many forms of advertising. For a long time, they banned cryptocurrency advertising. I don't know if they still do or not, but Twitter, it, it should be easy to make money on Twitter. Somehow they have failed at doing that. Why do you think that is? 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. 
is Free Talk Live, and you're invited to join us, 603-283-6160, if you would like to share your thoughts and opinions about how common bots may actually be on Twitter. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight is Aria, Bonnie, and Ian. They're looking pretty common. They are. And, well, this Spark Toro thing is really interesting. I, it doesn't just mean bots, right? It says mm-hmm. 16, for me, it says 16.6%. Well, also dead accounts. Fake right. followers, right. Yeah. Fake followers includes uh, dead accounts, yeah. like people who haven't used Twitter in more than 120 days. 18% of the people following me haven't been on Twitter in more than half a year. Yeah. And those numbers are pretty, probably fairly common, no matter whose name you, you put in. But the POTUS account, that's the President of the United States account, shows almost 50%. Yeah, 46.9% fake. Over 10.4 million of his 22 million followers fake. Which, again, includes people that haven't been online in a I long gotta time. I got to imagine Donald Trump was doing better than that. I got to imagine Elon Musk is doing better than that. I don't even know what Elon Musk's handle is on Twitter, but he's got to be doing better than 49% or whatever it was. So bots do appear to be pretty common on the Twitter platform. But, of course, we, we knew that. that. That's not a surprise to anyone. But let's go to the phones. We have Major Payne calling from Michigan. Major Payne, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how y'all doing today? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, um, you remember about three weeks ago I called in, I gave you guys a heads up on the uh, birth of this Ministry of Disinformation business? Yes, all right, well, guess what? It's pretty much been shot in the head and buried. The, you think so? Uh, yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw that on, uh, I think, Drudge Report today, where it, it's been closed. The person who was heading it up has resigned, and there was, no, there was never any direction from the White House, apparently, about what they were supposed to be doing. So, Well, the, the, the lion skank that they put in charge of it is probably <laughs> the biggest minister of misinformation that there ever has been well i heard she resigned and i heard also that they've quote unquote paused the department yeah well yeah exactly it's not been shot in the head but i'm pretty sure they're digging the hole well governments never close programs that they like right they're not going to when when all this covid nonsense goes away they're not going to close their their contact tracing departments they're just going to pause them or or shuffle them around temporarily, repurpose them for something else. Yeah, or use them in the future for something even worse. Otherwise, the government would get smaller, and that's the opposite of what government is inclined to do. Somebody would lose their job. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Major Payne. Someone would lose their job, and that, that's why this nonsense ends up perpetuating itself, right? Because the reason these people get jobs in the first place in government is that they're connected to friends of friends of friends. And then they just sort of end up stuck there. Or not stuck there because they like it there. They get their fat government pension. Yeah. Uh, I would, my belief on this is without having read any of the details, just seeing the headlines, is they're quote unquote pausing this until all the stir goes away and then they'll unpause it quietly and bring it back. Maybe with a new name. That is the kind of thing government does. We also have Sarah on the line from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. He showed me what the hell he had for us. That was Sarah. Your voice has got pretty deep. Uh, We'll chat back with Sarah. Uh, By the way, I checked Joe Biden's account at Spark Toro, which again the fake follower calculator, basically. His so there's the POTUS account, which we looked at, forty six and a half percent fake. 
uh, followers. 43% fake on the at Joe Biden account. He's got 34 million followers, so his personal account actually has more followers than the POTUS account does, and uh, 43% of those are listed as fake. When you look at Elon Musk's account, he's one of the top, he's one of the top 10, I would say, on, on all of Twitter now, and he's, he's had quite a few more people join since he's announced he's buying the, the company. Now with over 93 million followers, 70, 70.2% of them are fake, according to this. Well... That sort of makes sense. Uh, yeah, like crypto things always comment in all his comment sections. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be like, uh, buy Safe Moon or join Safe Moon. I don't even don't. know what Safe Moon is. I just know it <laughs> sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. If they're using, if they're using a bot to promote their cryptocurrency, it, it has all of the cryptocurrency credibility of John McAfee it, saying buy this coin. It's worse than that. They always have like a picture of a K-pop star. So it's like the K-pop bots, which is a huge thing on Twitter. Like mm. anytime you insult a K-pop star, you'll get K-pop bots that come in like roast you or whatever. And like, anyways, it has like K-pop. This is what I see all the time: a K-pop star profile picture and people promoting Safe Moon, and that that just makes me think I'm gonna run away from that. Yeah, any cryptocurrency promoting itself as quote unquote safe. Uh, seems about as good of a buy to me as the car dealers promoting themselves as honest. It's like, stay away from that. Stay away from Twitter, it sounds like. I mean, it. it's one thing that he has, you know, 93, Elon Musk has almost 94 million followers, but 70% of those are fake. Not able to do the math quickly off the top of my head. It sounds like he's realistically... 65 or 66 million fake. So about 27 million real ones. That's still really good, actually. I mean, yeah, mm. I'll, I'd take it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably beats our 2000. Probably doing better than POTUS, even with all of that considered. With, I mean, with POTUS as being 49% yeah. and Joe Biden having an even smaller number, but mm. also a smaller percentage, but a smaller number of followers as well. The bigger you get, it makes sense that you'd have more spam because people would want to be promoting their crap on, on your profile. You. Yeah. yeah. To other spam bots, as it turns out. So it's probably not a very effective way of outreach. But, you know, why uh, would Elon, Elon, bruh, why would you offer $49 billion for this platform? He didn't know. How... Then why would he offer forty nine billion for it? Well, that's a good point because, like you said, <laughs> the the Twitter argument is, "Hey, dude, you said you were going to buy us, so now you got to buy us." And his argument is, "Well, y'all said you had less than five percent of fake users, and it looks like you got more than five percent. So therefore, this deal is on hold." So yeah, it seems be- like if they misrepresented anything like that, he can say, "No, I'm not going to do it." Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because it may end up going he, to court. Why would he believe Twitter's number about fake followers in the first place? That's like maybe going to Burger King for just, health advice. Maybe he did this as a long uh, troll. Basically. That was my first thought. I was like, maybe he did this just to force them to make public their bot numbers. Right, maybe, maybe that was his whole plan. Maybe he never had an intention to buy it at that price. And I'm not somebody who thinks Elon Musk is a really super smart, awesome freedom of speech advocate he's no dummy but i'm just saying i'm not an elon musk worshiper but i did think of this maybe he this was his plan he wanted to make them reveal things it's not impossible i mean he's revealed things certainly he revealed that the twitter sample size they use to to measure the number of buses is like 100 100, or something like that it's garbage it's laughably small Hmm. absolutely terrible sample size there's nothing scientific about that that's twitter taking the smallest sample size possible 
so that it isn't scientific. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. He also revealed that they didn't want to sell to him in it would have been good for all of their investors. Like, that was just kind of so sketchy. It just makes you think that there's, like, some kind of nepotism going on where they're people who run all these big platforms. Well, they don't want to give up the power. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it boiled down to them. Sure, it may have been best for shareholders, but that's that's a lot of power to control the world they're giving up. Mm-hmm. 603-283-6160. If you want to weigh in on the death of People Magazine or the overflowing of bots on Twitter, there's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and coming up in just over a month, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. However, it's sold out. But right after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, from June the 27th until July the 3rd, there is Fork Fest, and that is a decentralized continuation of the Porcupine Freedom Festival where no one's in charge. There, there's occasionally some events and stuff like that. If you want, If you want an event to happen, you're going to have to make it happen yourself, though. Check it out at ForkFest.Party. You can connect with other uh, ForkFesters there. That's ForkFest.Party. I got permission today. I'm officially allowed to go. Nice. So I'm looking forward to it. That's June the 27th through July the 3rd. There's no ticket. All you have to do is book your camping site, your RV site, or your motel room with Rogers Campground from June the 27th through July the 3rd. You got permission for ForkFest and ForkFest? Yes. Nice. Well, it's all just sort of one, one thing, right? It, yeah. it would be weird if I was given permission to go to one but not mm. the other. So check that out, ForkFest.Party. And if you're coming for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, might as well hang around for a few extra days, right? Especially if you're a food vendor, because food vendors do so well Hmm. during Fork Fest, because you can just steadily increase your rates. And there's so few competitors compared to the Porcupine Freedom Festival that you're going to have people... One year, there was someone selling like cheap burgers for like, I think, 10 bucks each. Hmm. And it it was like a terrible burger, (laughs) but it was food. And when it's midnight and you want a burger... That was the only game in town. So. You're going to pay it. Yep. I'm going to be selling salsa there. Forkfest.party? Oh, are you? Oh, wait. I, I mean, well, I'm going to at least sell it whatever, whenever I go there, if I'm allowed to go. Well, if Ian's allowed to go. Right. But if I sell out at Porkfest, I sell out at Porkfest. So, okay. not saying just Forkfest, but yeah. Well, we have Sarah, who's still with us from New Mexico. Sarah, are you with us? Yes, I am. What's on your mind tonight, Sarah? What were you fighting about? Oh, wait. No, he's got hearing problem. We don't really Oh, you're fight just shouting at him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, I remember I was telling you about the hearing aid. I want it. Yeah. I don't. It's too expensive. Yeah, yeah. The Yeah, so that's why I want the prices to come down. But, you know, the... You did Didn't you know, we look into this and there were ways to get hearing aids for, like, really, really cheap? Yeah, yeah like but she said that they one. don't work. Oh, that's, she wasn't willing to try them. That, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. it. Because she, she was convinced they don't work. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like, why would they sell a hearing aid for a thousand, three thousand dollars per pair, and you got a, a one that's going for a hundred dollars? You figure out why it works like that. You know, I I'm not gonna. Well, you know, Sarah, I have played three thousand dollar guitars and I have played one hundred dollar guitars, and I got to tell you, both of them make noise. Hmm. Well, well, I I I have no idea, but I never tried it. But anyways, she tried that one hundred dollar hearing aid. Is my point. Hmm, yeah. 
Yeah, it could be true. It might not be true. I My grandma know. is is no rich person. She lives off of her monthly retirement paycheck, and she has hearing aids. She's not rich. She did not pay $3,000 for them. She said that they're so powerful, she doesn't like to wear them because she can hear the ceiling fan going. And I could see that being annoying, but it's way more annoying to have to scream at her. So I could see where you're coming from, Sarah, having to yell at Richard. What were you calling about tonight? Uh, yes. Uh, so last year, we have like the highest traffic auto-related fatalities in yep. 16 years. Uh, 43,000. So, you know, Sarah, I saw this story a few days ago, and I put it in my show her. prep folder. Yes. And I said, there's no point in me bringing this in a show prep. Eventually, Sarah is going to call in and bring it up. And sure enough, thank you, Sarah, for calling in and bringing it See, I even closed out of it. But I know what you're talking about here is like 43,000 or something like that is the number of car fatalities throughout the United States throughout the last year, which is an, the the largest that we've seen in like 16 years or something like that. Well, does New Mexico right, right. have the largest? Is that what she was saying? Or just America? I, I, wasn't it in America? That's the whole the country data for the last year. I don't know. I, think so. I, I didn't care enough to read the article. But you mm-hmm. called in to but talk I, about it, Sarah. Shouldn't you know the answer? What what is the article? Well, I just well, I only heard a, a blip of like ten seconds on the radio, but I mem- you know I caught that part of it. It sounds like a national uh, stat, but what, what I'm saying is, I thought we have all those airbags, seatbelts, and bumpers, and all of these traffic uh, fatality um, safety p- improvements. So then, why is it that much of a high fatality number? I I don't understand it. Like, you know what I mean? Well, because they are, you know, 2,000 pound death machines flying down the highway at, you know, 50 miles per hour. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, an airbag's not going to help. The technology has helped save some lives, but it's not going to stop people from dying completely. Or, you know, like you said, if you crash two huge death traps into one another head on, that's pretty brutal and tough to survive. I mean, I totaled a car driving. Like 20 miles an hour and I hit a sign. I totaled the car because it just damaged the stuff inside, like the transmission yeah. or something. So, I mean, these things happen, Sarah, and there, there's no good solution. The government is a solution. The, the safety features mandated by government, they may, they may have helped, sure. You know, having How about s- robot drivers? If everybody was mandated to uh, allow I mean, self-driving Elon cars, Musk, yeah, to have, uh, to have automation take care of everything, in theory... If everybody was on the same centrally controlled grid, then all cars would be the same distance away from one another. There would never be a rear-ending occurrence, presuming the software actually works. Well, if I remember correctly, uh, correctly. Sarah, you want robot drivers, don't you? Does well. I mean, this is going to be all uh, the. This is what they uh, they did a survey. That's what the drivers want. All of the new cars will have these kind of safety safety devices, all the way camera sensors. Yeah, I don't want that. Uh, what did you say? Oh, it's just not what I want. Well, I don't want a, a robot driving my car when Google Maps always thinks that I'm on the bottom of the <laughs> double-decker highway and tells me to turn. I'm like, uh, Google Maps, I can't turn here. I'll fall to my death, you know? I'm, uh, I'm not going to... Because the computer glitch. Yeah, I'm know? not going to trust the computer that has glitches to drive my death machine for me. I'd rather do it myself. Sarah, the way that... Te- I, I know, I realize you're not on the internet, 
but the way that technology companies like Google and stuff like that, the way they use, they have people demonstrate that they're not robots and that they are, in fact, human beings is to identify things like red lights, crosswalks, mm-hmm. stop signs, hills, mountains, which those are the things that a human being can identify, but that AI or their software cannot. Well, that's why they're doing it. They're trying to train their software on how to I, I understand why they're yeah. doing it, but it remains true that that means their software cannot tell mm-hmm. a crosswalk from a sidewalk. Mm. Or a or Pressing crossing road. on the cr- crosswalk. Yes. From the road, but, I mean, but it's a it's a progress. But I would like I I saw I like the sound of the cruise control, so they could properly self distance and themselves. Uh, cruise control, it does have it at one speed. That's not good enough. It's not it, you, you you know you keeps keeps the car between the lanes. It's got sensor to you know so that if it gets too close, it'll slow down the speed. That's just like people um, are people would be so lazy they will get into more car accidents. I really think that because even well, she's like saying if uh, if it was totally controlled, right, Sarah, where it's a computer totally like from top to bottom controlling the entire ride, where the driver's doing nothing. No, I, I'm not talking about that. The no. next, what they're going to come up with is that you still drive, but you could put it on this cruise control and the computer will take over so that... Yeah, I don't know monitor. how to tell you this, but I put it up, Sarah, and in a 40-person study, which granted is not a whole lot, cars with this technology, this adaptive cruise control technology, mm-hmm. they they exceeded the speed limit 95% of the time. So they, they oh. sped more. While people who drove manually only did it 77% of the time, there was also a 10% higher risk of a fatal crash among people who were using this cruise control that you're advocating. So it's deadlier, and it makes people speed more. I mean, just using a regular speed uh, cruise control, I can say that that must be true because there are so many times that I've been like on a flat highway for so long and I put on cruise control, and then I need to do something really fast, and it, I don't know, it just... It, Puts you in a weird state of mind. I've never been in a car accident because of it, but I don't know. You're saying you don't pay as close attention? You don't pay as close attention. You're like, the car's driving itself. Then I, suddenly you got to turn and you're like, Ugh. I definitely speed more in cruise control, especially on like long trips or something like that. Yeah. Generally, I wouldn't go like 85, but when it's cruise control, it's it just feels like it's not as big a deal. I mean, like most of the time you put your foot down because your foot hurts just holding it up. And then your foot is not even on a pedal if something happens. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to control the airwaves and talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to weigh in. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we're going to go to the phones. We have, because that's what we do here on Free Talk Live, we take your calls and thoughts. We have Dave calling from RidleyReport.com from here in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Dave. Okay. Hey, Dave. You hey. guys, you, you may remember I called in a month or so ago about a book uh, called Nuclear War Survival Skills. Remember that? Yeah, I was on. So it's it's this guy who sort of wrote, he wrote the sort of the Bible of nuclear war survival back in mostly in the 80s, or, you know, some of it in the 90s, some of it in the 70s, uh, Kristen Carney. He died in, in the early 2000s, I believe. 
but before he did, he sort of created a, um, he kind of almost created a movement because his book was sufficiently brilliant and it sort of undermined the narrative that everybody's going to die. Right. Um, and the sort of the mantle of his, um, expertise has been picked up by a guy named Shane Connors and Connor is taking, is taking a little bit more of an evangelical approach to it. He's sort of like an evangelist trying to spread the word. Like he sees a crowd of a hundred people and he thinks, Oh, I can save 90 of them. (laughs) His motto is 90% of the casualties that we'll suffer in a nuclear war. If we have one will be 100% preventable. And uh, so he's he's put out this uh, he's has this, this speech and article called uh, the good news about nuclear destruction. Okay. What's the good news? And uh, so his, that that's the good news that that ninety percent of the deaths will be a hundred percent survivable. Uh, he uh, basically recommends you know, the, he believes that the, 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 the old civil defense people actually had a lot of things right, even though people make fun of them in their duck and cover videos and stuff like that. A lot of those things, people, like when you saw in Russia when there was that, nu- when not a nuclear, but, but the meteorite that exploded above Semipalatansk or wherever it was, yeah. um, everybody went rushing to their windows to gawk at this bright flash. And that's how they, there were so many injuries. 1,500 wow. people died standing in front of their windows uh, hmm. when, this, when this happened, when that flash was actually a warning uh, to, to get away from the nearest window. There was a lady in one town in Russia who had all, all her kids, she said, duck and cover under your chairs, you know, basically, or under your desk, and saved them all while she was shredded. Ooh. Oh, whoa. So, like, uh, what happened with the meteorite like was there shrapnel flying everywhere killing people yeah it's really very similar to a nuclear explosion um Hmm. and and it was uh you could it exploded in the air and um you know it created a flash and of course there's a you know one to two minute gap you know sometimes less of a gap before between the flash and and it blows out your windows Dave, what I'm so, finding about the Russian meteorite deaths, I see uh, Chelib, Ch- Chelyabinsk meteor, uh, is that there were no deaths reported. That, correct. 1,500 people, yeah, 1,500 people were injured, okay. uh, I believe, but I don't think there were any deaths. Well, isn't the uh, the biggest problem, I mean, beyond the fact if you get caught in an explosion, that's probably going to kill you, but uh, if you're away from the explosion, isn't the biggest problem with a nuclear explosion the fallout later? And I'm not sure if hiding under a desk is going to help you with that, is it? Correct. And he he goes into that in his speech, in his article. Um, He's like a, he's the guy that's been going around trying to save all all uh, all the radiological survey meters that the federal government has been throwing away. They've just been Oh, let's just put let's just put this in a landfill. But he's like saving this stuff and trying to get it working again. And and he runs uh, this company that like you can send your your uh, radiological meters in there, and he'll he'll uh, calibrate them for you and stuff like that. But I think you know he's the real deal. He's. Um, but what are people I, supposed I've, to do? I mean, I guess I'm not really clear. Oh, yeah, on... so, well, yeah well, he suggests yeah. Mainly, you just need to get a lot of things between you. And the fallout, which usually lands about an hour after the you know if you see an explosion. Uh, the fallout land starts landing about an hour after that. And the real dangerous period is mainly just the first two days. Hmm. I mean, it can be dangerous after that, too, for various reasons, including the fallout. But the main thing is you've got to get stuff between you 
and these particles that are landing. Um, are they invisible? Very. They they no, are and it. Well, it's radiation. Yeah, at night they are, or if they land, if they land on a black car, they are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you, if they land on a on a white surface, you can see them. Oh, okay. I don't think I don't think radiation that's... is visible. No, I think he's saying no, there's something the, different the, that the, uh, fallout. fallout. Isn't you mean like that. ashes? Well, here, yeah, I, I can't. I'm not going to be able to save you today, guys. You're gonna you're gonna have to hear Shane out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, see that seems... look, Just Google. Just Google the good news about nuclear survival. It's better to listen to his speech, I think, than read the article. Okay. Well, I mean, we always try to get people to summarize when we're when people call in. You know, ra- rather than having people to go and try to find a resource and and read it, because some of our listeners they don't get online, for instance. So it's always useful to have somebody be able to summarize the basics. So what you're saying is getting something in between you and the and the potential fallout. And when you say something, that would be like the walls of a house. Yeah, best, be, you, better a basement than a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Better a big house than a small one. Uh, mm-hmm. Better a deep basement than a shallow one. And you, you, uh, if you have buckets of water, you can put those between you and and you know any windows in the basement and stuff like that. Those are really useful. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, the, a lot of the radiation comes through your roof. Um, and you know people mm-hmm. who are really serious about it, they'll do stuff you know between them and the roof. Uh, but, but, so basically, but, but people Crescent, in Florida are screwed because they don't have basements. Hmm. Well, you what you want to do is move to the most interior room, the most middle room, like in get the in the bathtub. Floor, basically, if you got a middle the lowest bathroom. floor in the house, and put put water between you and wherever the fallout is. Yeah, and just wait a couple days or, for it to be over. Anything, any, any, anything that's heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. Now that's not going to work everywhere, right? In some places, it's going to be so much radioactivity that's going to come uh, through. Too many windows, or through your yeah, roof, if you're close or whatever. to the blast, so, right? The closer so you are to the blast, the more dangerous, right? What Crescent Carney did was he would always he he recommended building an outdoor shelter, an expedient shelter, just with a shovel, which can be done by a human in 48 hours. But uh, he said, if you're not going to do that, then at least in your basement, you want to have that water. And and he would he would construct water in boxes so that you could put a box over your head and build like a fortress of boxes with water in them. Um, and this all seems like a lot of work to save ourselves from something that almost certainly is not going to happen. Well, you, you could have the materials ready and then if it happens, then you can build your port, right? You you just, you don't necessarily have to do everything right now. Why should I do any Um, of it though? I don't, I don't think we're any closer to a nuclear war than we were, you know, 20 years ago. Well, you may not have a You're going to have to, you're going to have to take that argument up with Vladimir Posner who thinks that we're far closer right now than we were during the new in the uh, cuban missile crisis yeah it's not going to be something you're necessarily going to have any warning of either right like it's going if it's going to happen it's just going to happen and no one's going to see it coming uh until the you know the the missiles launched right i was going to say Arya carney carney argues against that he thinks that's unlikely what's mostly likely to happen is you you by the way you've got your warning You, you know ukraine's been invaded uh, and the other oh, thing good lord! Going, Ukraine that, being that was, invaded is not is not a warning for us to go hide in our in our nuclear bunkers, Dave. Well, not yet, not yet. Uh, but it, it is putting the pieces in place for that first tactical use of a nuclear weapon, or that first chemical weapon use with you know, or that first false flag attack, which is now well, you know, I mean, there's there's a there's so many things can go wrong every day. You have to get lucky every day nuclear war only has to get lucky once 
Thank you for your thoughts tonight, Dave. I, I just I just don't agree. I, I don't think this Ukrainian crisis is likely to escalate into a nuclear war. World War Three, sure. I could definitely see that happening. But well, I, that's I, because most of the crazy people running governments aren't crazy enough to kill themselves. Yeah, because and- they would get killed if Russia bombed us they're going to get bombed by us that's called yeah. mutually assured destruction everyone dies reason, right mm-hmm. that's the reason why it doesn't happen generally and i think that's probably why it's going to continue that's why it didn't happen in the past and that's why it's in my opinion it's not going to continue happening going into the future because it's just it's not worth it well that said uh, beyond the the excessive preparation it's not a bad thing to know some basics i mean that's that's a good good advice to be able to say all right well if you catch wind that a nuclear weapon has gone off right like we're in Keene, new hampshire the odds that it's going to be targeting the woods is very slim they're going to target an urban area so new york city boston dc yeah but boston would be near enough to us to matter right well i don't know i'm not an expert on on nuclear fallout but you're not going to get it caught in the explosion if they drop one on Boston. Um, but then you know, all right, maybe go down to the basement for the next couple of days and, I and see how this plays out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's more coming up here. We're going to hear about. We're going to talk about witchcraft in the U.S. military. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Free talk live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, share your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160 if you would like to do that. The number 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And coming up, we're going to be talking about aliens, but first, as promised, witchcraft in this unsettling Fort Bragg recruitment video. It is igniting a debate, evidently, over its mysterious intention. And I'm confused because I've seen the video, and it it, it was eerie and a little bit weird, but it wasn't. I, I didn't see what what these people seem to see. And we, we obviously, the video is almost four minutes long, and it's, it's mostly just music and images or videos and with text overlay, so it would be useless to play the video for you. But there is a link to it. You can find it. I just look for a Fort Bragg recruitment video. I'm sure you'll find it. So they say it's a stretch to link the U.S. Army to witchcraft, but that's happening in response to an eerie recruitment video shared on YouTube by Fort Bragg's 4th Psychological Operations Group, Airborne. That is a hell of a name for a group. Why are they a psychological group? Because they do psyops. Mm. Really? Psychological, yeah, they're psychological operations. That's what they do. All airborne is like 101st airborne. Is that division of the, the fourth psychological operations group? Airborne. I I'm not a military person, so I don't know what that really means. Really confusing. I just know it's a group within the U.S. military that clearly does psychological ops. Mm. The video is titled Ghosts in the Machine, and it feels like a movie trailer. That's accurate. It does feel like you're watching a movie trailer, at least at first. And it comes with no explanation other than all the world's a stage. Join us. It was posted on May the 2nd. It starts innocently with benign clips of cartoons and images of empty city streets and subways. But the vibe grows increasingly disturbing with footage of a shadowy man anxious, anxiously staring at dark skies violent riot scenes, and soldiers being deployed. Have you ever wondered who's pulling the strings, the video asks. You'll find us in the shadows at the tip of the spear. Anything we touch is a weapon. 
We can deceive, persuade, change, influence, inspire. We come in many forms. We are everywhere. Creepy. This sounds like uh, anonymous, almost. Mm. It does. Yeah. And, and you know, the, but the opposite. The image they use to encapsulate, to encapsulate here, it is creepy. It's a creepy old black and white looking cartoon being played in a television set that is on fire. So it is a little weird and it is unsettling. And it's just like, why is any of this coming from the United States military? Like, if this was just some art project, it wouldn't be that creepy. Well, evidently, it's not really new, according to the Vigilant Citizen. And that's why I wanted to get into this, because of what they have to say about it. They they are analyzing it and looking into the fascinating yet secretive world of PSYOPs. And here they... They define psyops, and it's not really very important. But then they they do that thing where they they dive into the symbols and their meanings and all of that stuff. Mm. And again, it's it's all stuff. It reminds me of the nonsense that I read, the critique of the manifesto that was looking for hidden meanings and hidden Which symbols manifesto? and stuff. The most recent, the, yes, the most recent shooters manifesto. I I found this article that you know analyzed it for hidden meanings, and they they did some weird thing where they took. All of the text, and they just put it into a block without any spacing whatsoever. And then they took like the first character of each block, and they used that to spell a word. And then they put that into an oh acronym finder. I hate acronym finder symbolism. That's retarded. Oh, it was complete, like, It was completely insane. This is like insane on top of insane. Yes, You've taken yep. it in a person's insane 180-page manifesto and added somebody else's insanity to try to discern hidden meanings from but, it. But, Ari, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this, even though I haven't read the article. I've been a Vigilant Citizen reader since 2011, and I really do appreciate the way he decodes symbols that are Symbols that have been used to symbolize a certain thing or things for hundreds of years. It's different when it's somebody like, I'm feeling like I see this and, and it, they're just coming up with stuff off of, out of their butt. Okay. That is totally different. Vigilant Citizen, he has, you know, like he reads books by occultists and all occult means is hidden. It's from the Latin occultare and it just means to hide. So... Things that have meant something to to some group for hundreds of years, Usually and it's a been powerful, hidden. Influential group, yeah, and it's been hidden. That's what Vigilant Citizen covers, and yeah, it might seem crazy if it's like if this is the first Vigilant Citizen thing you've read. Or that, it's, it's not even that it seems crazy. It's just that they they talk about things that have nothing to do with the video. Like they talk about um, Aquino, whose first name escapes Michael Aquino and how he was a Satanist and he was corresponding with LaVey while in the military. And they have a picture here of him with a pentagram in the background. And they, they talk about that for a bit. And then they talk about uh, MK ultra and other things along those lines, all of which is bad, but it has nothing to do with the symbolism in this video and why it's... Well, the article's entitled The Occult History of the U.S. Military PSYOP, so it sounds to me and like it's there's highly a highly symbolic recruitment video. And MKUltra did uh, do work on military people. That was some of the people that they, you know, did their LSD exper- experiments on because, you know, those people signed away their rights to the government, so they basically own their bodies. It sounds to me like this is a... Vi- uh, again, I also have not read... This is the first I've heard of this video. I've, I'm looking at it here as we've been speaking, and it is a very highly polished, uh, very well-produced video, and it wouldn't surprise me if it is rife with this symbolism that that, uh, that you've referred to, Bonnie. 
And so, vigilant My citizen. My only critique is they didn't. They don't provide any actual examples of stuff they saw in this video and explain like, hey, this is why this is an occult symbol or anything like that. They do have screenshots of it. Well, usually that's where he's talking about the the symbolism. Hmm. I don't know. I but haven't like, read this article. Is, warfare is evolving, and all the world's a stage. In the background, we see images of people filming propaganda and a person playing the piano, and this is symbolic of occultism. And I'm not making this up. Because the music industry is involved in psychological warfare. Is it? That, is it that's not? That's the link he makes. They they come out with imagery that millions of people watch, and a lot of the times, unrelated artists just have the same imagery over and over again. Why? Why do you do so many uh, of them just cover one eye? Why? Why is that just a thing that looks cool and everybody thinks that looks cool? No, they they must be connected in some way. So many of them have the same exact. Like if you have read Vigilant Citizen as long as I have, it's like you'll be reading his new article and you'll be like, oh, did they have a goat head pop up at this? Yep, they had a goat head pop up at that point. It's it's just ridiculous how obviously in the same club people in the music industry are, and they, uh, you know, come up with the same exact stories that they tell over and over that's all really occultism is it's uh i mean not all of occultism but what what the people call occult symbols in our culture is basically just people using symbols to tell an allegory over and over and over again that's what the lady gaga so many uh people that i really like have these symbols and it and it doesn't mean they're evil either like that's another thing i think that is misunderstood uh, symbols are just a tool and these allegories that have been passed down like the story of Jesus is just the same exact story as Hiram, Ab- Hiram Abith the same exact story as lots of other gods right. that have been killed it's just an allegory told over and over and over again and the music industry does the same thing uh, you're right though just glancing through this article Aria there's not a whole lot of dissection of the video itself there's a little bit of it, and... Yeah, he goes on, like, the video features multiple scenes of people scrolling their phones because Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Reddit, and others are mind war battlefields, where mind war is a compound word with both mind and war being capitalized. So I'm assuming mind war is something that he references repeatedly on the site. I've never heard of that, but one thing I will say is I've been telling Ian, because when I first met Ian, he said something about Vigilant Citizen, and I was like... You read Vigilant Citizen too. I've <laughs> been saying that I think that he got uh, taken over because I just know how he writes, and it just seems like somebody else is writing for him. He never used to talk about like left and right. You know, he never used to talk about the left is doing this. Never. He used to talk about way more interesting things, and now he talks all the time about like, oh, the government wants to make uh, the left wants to make people uh, feminine men and masculine women and stuff like that. It's something he never used to talk about. So. If this is a really ridiculous article, I don't care to... Uh... Well, I, I don't know. He, he says here, a shot of an empty movie theater indicates that the entertainment industry is fully involved in psychological warfare against citizens. But... That's a little too on the nose, right? If these are the masters of psyops, why would they be so unsubtle with their symbolism? Well, they throw it right in your face sometimes. Because people don't know what symbolism means. People don't realize that it means anything or care. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. (laughs) 
It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. And Ian. And Bonnie. And I want to say thank you to Igutsuki, who is tonight's amplifier. This means that Igutsuki is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. So if you value the show, the ideas of liberty reaching people and, you know, having a national show where anyone can call in and talk about anything that it is important to them, you might consider joining the AMPS program. Again, that's amps.freetalklive.com. It does come with a number of cool little perks like an app-only Facebook group. There's an app-only podcast and some other cool stuff like that. But the reason you should join is because you value the ideas of liberty reaching an audience and you want to help to expand and grow that audience. Joining the AMPS program is the best way to do that. It only takes five bucks per month that gets you in, as Igutsky here has done. That's amps.freetalklive.com. So thanks, Igutsky, for your support. Let's go to the phones. However, we have Steve, who is on the line from Georgia. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, so y'all were talking about symbols and uh, different cults in the government and whatnot. Um, I think there's a few things to really keep in mind when you're talking about this. One, um, the same people that founded the the U.S. Special Forces Group in the Army are the same people that founded the Green Berets and the same people that founded Naval Special Warfare, founded the DIA. Um, so you're going to have a lot of the same symbols in there. And on top of that, the Navy for generations. Like, I have pagan symbols on my body because I was in the Navy. Um and that's just kind of the way it is. In in the army, they use a lot of Roman symbols, right? Because there's only so many you can use. And on top of that, you look at, like, the most feared symbol in, in the world is the swastika. Well, way before the Nazis used the swastika, Indians were, were drawing that stuff, like Indians in India were using that symbol all over the place. That's true. So symbols are pretty interchangeable, and it really depends on what it means to you, right? So to an extent, it does. But you know, when I see like George W. Bush holding up devil horns, and there's countless pictures of him and other, you know, extremely high-level politicians doing that, it doesn't. I don't think they're trying to say, "Yeah, man, we love Metallica," <laughs> right? They're, they're trying to convey something else to their own to their buddies, the Skull and Bone Society, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're trying to do, but th- there's something to it that means something specific to them that is important and a far more mm-hmm. significance than what what it means when I do devil horns at a rock concert, right? Yeah. I actually disagree with that. It only matters what it means to you. There, There's a psychological effect that happens when human beings who have, D, you know, memory in their DNA see certain symbols. Like so many gas companies, their symbol has to do with the sun. And it's telling people, oh, we need gas. Gas is the... You need it like you need the sun to survive. There's no other way to live on this earth without gas, you know? See, I would think it would be because, you know, sun provides energy and gas provides energy. Well, I mean, you could see it that way. They also have blood drops. Blood drops is like life force. I think it's because, like, you you have to, sur- you need it to survive. You can't live without this. And now people think that's the only way we can live, even though Tesla found ways that, you know, the the world could go on without ever having to drill oil. 
Steve, thank you so much for the call tonight. You do have a valid point, though, in that, like, the upside-down cross, it means different things to different people, right? If, mm-hmm. you, if you show it to a Christian, if, if they're ignorant enough, they're going to assume that it has to do with Satanism. But if really, it's the sign of St. Peter who was uh, crucified on an upside-down cross. However, if a Satanist throws an upside-down cross, they don't mean it to be a reference to St. Peter. They mean it to be a reference to, mm-hmm. you know, screw Christianity or whatever. Hmm. And if you ask a Christian what a pentacle or a pentagram means, they're going to say, oh, that, that's devil worship. But no, that's Wicca. That's witchcraft. That has nothing to do with Satanism. The upside down one has to do with Satanism. Mm. Christians but, think everything just equals evil. And that's so black and white thinking is so dumb. Well, that's what the religion has taught them. That's what all three of the Abrahamic religions have taught. And that's my biggest issue with the Abrahamic religions. Like if you ask the Muslims, all the Christians and all the Jews and all the everyone else who isn't a Muslim is going to hell. Well, if you ask the Christians, everyone who isn't a Christian is going to hell. Mm-hmm. And just between those two groups of people, you only ask two groups of people. Everyone on the planet is considered to be doomed to eternal suffering by someone else on the planet. And that's what these Abrahamic religions have done to people. I, I oppose that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like symbols. I understand the value of symbols and stuff like that, but... And this is where I diverge from a lot of Satanists. I do like the symbols and I appreciate them and I, you know, I have them and I wear them and stuff like that. But the whole thing with LeVay and, uh, and Crowley and all of these other uh, forerunners of Satanists was that they, they thought the ritualization aspects and the symbols were things that humans need in order to complete their religion. And I tend to think that these symbols and stuff like that are getting in the way, like the the Satanists initially, and it's, uh, I'm not sure how to put the put their beliefs because I disagree with their beliefs. But they, the reason they c- created the rituals and stuff like that is not because they believed they were summoning demons or anything like that. It's because they had this belief that humans need that ritual aspect in their religious beliefs in order for it to feel like a viable religion to them. Well, symbols hmm. are a way of communicating. Yes. They're a way of communicating. In the case of esotericism, uh, the esoteric, the occult, uh, in, in those cases, there, there are ways for these people who have this unusual knowledge to communicate with one another without shouting it out loud. And so, therefore, the people who understand those symbols are able to recognize them and they're able to you know, catch whatever the meaning is that is intended. But the, for the uninitiated... It just goes right over their heads. So that's why that's one of the reasons why the Vigilant Citizen site is so interesting. And I don't remember how I found it years ago, but he goes into like the the most common stuff you're going to find on his site is a symbol dissection, if you will, of popular music videos. Okay. so, you know, you take your favorite pop music artist, one of the big ones, usually, you know, Lady Gaga or Britney Spears or something like that. Right. And he's probably got an article or three about one or more of their music videos where he goes into by his own you know set of knowledge which is fairly deep on this particular subject he'll go through and take screenshots out of these videos and say look this is what's going on here this is what they're communicating with this oh this looks like this innocent video about x uh particular topic well this is actually what they're trying to say and it's really really fascinating it's one of those kind of rabbit holes that you can get a little bit lost in and you'll come away feeling really creeped out by and- what you read I could see that, but the reason the pentagram is associated with Satanism now is because originally it was associated with um, with science and astronomy, because that is the path that uh, Venus traces in the sky. If you watch it from an overhead view over a period of number of years, because it's constantly spinning around, it takes, traces almost a perfect pentacle in the sky. And that was hmm. the symbol that people used to say, hey, 
I know about astronomy. I know the the world isn't flat. I know the the planets revolve around the sun and all this stuff because that was forbidden knowledge. It was a cult. It was hidden. Mm-hmm. They couldn't just openly say that. And now it's Satanism, sure, or witchcraft or whatever. But really, the pentacle and Terra evolved the same way. It was it was a way of passing down forbidden knowledge, forbidden scientific knowledge from one person to the next. When the Catholic Church was trying to kill people for doing it. I, I, and I do want to kind of say that that's one thing I don't want to defend about Vigilant Citizen is he makes every single thing about something negative. It's almost like my mom, who's a Christian. It's like she'll see a pentacle and be like, that equals evil. Yeah, it's not an uplifting sight, that's for sure. No, but I'm going to spend some time on it, I think. Coming up, Venezuela. Are they finally admitting that socialism has failed? It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, 603-283-6160, if you would like to weigh in. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And good news coming out of Venezuela, or at least somewhat good news after... Knocking countless zeros off there. It is not countless. It can be counted. I think it's like 15 at this point. If you you could just go through the last two decades or so, after knocking a a large number of zeros off of their currency over and over throughout the years, Venezuela is finally starting, starting to take some steps toward admitting that socialism has failed. And the only way out of their economic hardship is through the free market. Or at least through, they're not they're not no. becoming a free no, market. No, 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 uh, yeah. No. So and they're not <laughs> privatizing. They're they're not becoming a capitalist society or anything like that by any means. But they are. Re- they're doing some stuff. Why is yes. the news saying that they're privatizing then? Well, uh, well, what they did initially was they were. Of course, hemorrhaging value through the uh, constant printing of money, tremendous hyperinflation, which appears to have stopped, uh, which is the surprise. Like they came out with the, you mentioned they cut off another six zeros or whatever uh, back in October of, I think it was 2021. And they, uh, ever since then, have not had the same problem with inflation. They, they appear to have stopped going insane with inflation. Well, it's only been eight months. Yeah, and well, but normally the numbers would have continued to just shoot up. That's what happened when That's they true. cut five zeros off back in 2018. It just kept on going uh, mo- moments later. But now it's been pretty steady. You can go to dollartoday.com to see that it hasn't really changed in, in the last several months, which was, was a surprise to me. But that's possibly because they were also, they realized that the the bolivar which is their currency in venezuela was an abject failure they've they basically sapped as much wealth out of the populace as they can could get away with without a violent revolution because it came close like they had thousands of not i mean they had people literally drinking sewage water right they had thousands of people in the streets a few years ago uh the cia was likely putting a front man uh, up to try to take down maduro i mean there was a lot of things going on there yeah, what was that guy's name? Juan Guaido? Yeah, that's it. Almost certainly a pal of the CIA. What did you say, Bonnie? I said, like, our CIA? Th- that's and the why? one. Uh, well, that's, that's what the U.S. government does. That's speculation. The, the hmm. Guaido was considered to be the U.S.-backed candidate in that race. So hmm. Whether the CIA was involved <laughs> seems like they probably were, because that's basically their job, right? To go into other countries and cause trouble. 
And so... Uh, Quote, other countries. Definitely yeah. never in the United no, States. Of and so what they ended up doing, what Maduro ended up doing to really stave off the disaster, I mean, it was already, it's been a disaster for years, but to stave off, let's say, him being dismembered by an angry mob. Uh, <laughs> Worth he, it. He allowed people to use the dollar. That was really the smartest thing he could have done, because for years it was illegal to use the dollar. You could not uh, advertise prices in dollars. You certainly couldn't accept them. And basically what Maduro did was he said, all right, well, you know, unofficially, you can use the dollar. We're they did the same thing in North Korea when people were starving to death. And it like, oh, OK, we may actually have a real problem here. and People yeah. may, you know, come chop our heads off. And then I said, OK, well. Let's turn a blind eye to the black market. That's what they then. did. Yep. So the same thing kind of happened in uh, in Venezuela. And now they're taking another step. According to the AP, Venezuela's government is seeking private investors to pump funds into vital but crippled state-run companies decades after seizing them in the name of socialism. The government uh, there intends to offer 5 to 10% stakes in companies ranging from telephone and internet service providers to a petrochemical producer. In another country, those industries... That's a good one for people. Oh, is... This is this we a few weeks ago there we talked about how the U.S. government went to Venezuela mm-hmm. and tried to work in an agreement with them to buy more oil. That's right, they did. I wonder if the two things are related. Great question. It seems like they probably it's are. Awfully coincidental. In another country, those industries, especially since they can now, since oil production was specifically one of the industries mentioned here. They didn't say that specifically, but they said petrochemical, and that suggests oh, highly, I would assume that means oil. Yeah, highly suggest that. Those industries might be attractive targets for investors, but questions remain as to who would be willing or able to take a minority position in the Venezuelan companies that have suffered from years of neglect and mismanagement. So, for those that aren't familiar, for the last few decades, two or so decades, Venezuela's government has been nationalizing companies. So if you had a, a successful corporation in Venezuela, there was a chance that the, the government could swoop in and just take it from you. And, and then, they would. Then run it into the ground because centralized <laughs> government sucks at everything that it does. And if they were any good at running companies, they would do, they'd run companies and they'd outcompete the, the market. But they can't because they're terrible and communism doesn't work and socialism doesn't work. And so they literally took these companies and ran them into the ground, ran them into the red, uh, made the, took profitable companies and made them completely unprofitable. And that's the short version that's of that That's what governments story. do, man. Yeah. UPS and, now, and FedEx, they, they figured out a way to make a profit with package delivery. Now... They're admitting they failed, right? By doing this, they're saying, okay, we need some investors. You guys want to buy a stake in these government-run companies, right? <laughs> in these failures that we drove into the dirt. Why anyone would want to do that is ultimately so, the question. the people of Venezuela now are going to be able to buy into them? Oh, they don't have any money. Uh, but that's what I was going to say, or other countries. Investors, right? They, they just want anybody with money to come in and rescue they're failing state corporations, but they're not willing to give them a controlling stake. Oh, we'll let you buy 5%. Oh, we'll let you buy 
No, I suspect this is a way for American companies to, in, to quote, invest in Venezuela to bring their infrastructure up to par so that they can then sell oil to the United States. Adding, I suspect that's what's going on here. Adding to the mystery is the lack of details provided by the government about the sale, including what price it's seeking for shares in the companies and on what stock market they might be listed. Some are speculating the move could be a first step toward returning the companies to private hands. Quote, we need capital for the development of all public companies, said Maduro during a televised speech. He said further, we need technology, we need new markets, and we are going to move forward. Unquote. It's a marked departure from his predecessor, the late Hugo Chavez, who nationalized many companies in his bid to transform the country into a socialist state. Among the companies Maduro mentioned are Can TV and its subsidiary Movilnet, which is, a, I believe, an internet service provider. Petrochemical uh, producer Petrochimica de Venezuela. That's different than their state oil company, Okay, uh, I believe. And a conglomerate focused in the mining sector. Interest, however, may be limited to investors with ties to the government or those with an appetite for risk. Because this is a terrible investment. Yeah, it's going to lose money. It's the government. Right. If they really wanted to save these companies, if they were smart, they would simply put them up for auction. And, of course, that's still unfair to the people from which they stole them because mm-hmm. they should be given back to those people, presuming they actually they're alive. want them. Presuming they're alive, aren't in a jail cell, and yeah, they actually want to run this company that was successful before and now the government has made into an abject failure. I don't know if I would want to be the one trying to clean up the government's mistakes after they mm-hmm. run a business into the ground. No, and why would you want to give them 10% of the value of the company in return for a share in a company that you then cannot run? That you then, they'll take your money. Sure. But you don't get to actually make any decisions. The country is under economic sanctions from the United States, of course. But now, as you pointed out, Aria, the U.S. government is talking a different game about Venezuela and cozying up to them. Well, yeah, not the U.S. government wants their oil. So the Venezuela is no longer evil. Maduro is no longer evil. Are the they tr- going to drop uh, sanctions on these people? We'll see. We don't know about that yet, but we know they want their gas. And they should remove the sanctions, but they they should. they should also remove the sanctions against Russia. There there should be no sanctions anywhere against anyone for any reason. At the turn of the century, Chavez carried out a series of takeovers in the electricity, telecommunications, natural gas, and oil sectors. But the government made minimum investments in these companies, which have left them providing substandard services. Of course the government made no investment in them. The government's incompetent. They they take over these industries, they run them into the ground, and that's the end of it. And they they request a bailout. Now they want private investors to come and bail them out. But 10%. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, talking about Venezuela here and how they are moving toward, they are taking it the, the smallest of steps toward recognizing that socialism has failed. I don't have very high hopes for this because they clearly just, they still want to maintain control. Yep. That's not good enough. No. And this 10% stake, you know, it or 5% stake, I believe it was, I don't remember, but um. Even if it was a 49% stake, it wouldn't be worth it for the individuals out there who had this amount of money to invest in the Venezuelan government because it's it's a losing proposition. There's it's plenty going of better to, investments. Yeah. This is the Venezuelan government. They have proven 
over the last several decades that they will lose money, massive amounts of money. They don't know what they're doing. Well, they know exactly what they're doing, but they're incompetent about it, and they're stealing massive They don't know how to run a business. I just can't imagine being like, I have millions of dollars. Should I invest in, like, Goldbacks, an up-and-coming great business that's proven to be a fantastic investment? Or should I invest in any Venezuelan (laughs) government-owned business? It's insane. It is insane, but let's go to the phones. We have Jack calling from Ocean Shore. Jack, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, good topics tonight. Um, the symbolism thing, real quick, it's like your brain is a computer and your eyes are the scanners. So I, I see some truth to that. I don't know if it was Bonnie talking about it, but how those can kind of trigger things, probably. Um, but that wasn't my main point. I was thinking... I. Ari was talking about throwing magazines away earlier, the People magazines. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I was thinking we could uh, just start sending all of our extra magazines down to Venezuela, and they can use that as their legal tender. Probably be worth more. The fatter and the uglier the chick is, the more the paper's worth, which is what the dollar's worth. Are you suggesting that that Venezuelans are, they value fat women? No, the the paper will be heavier. (laughs) Yeah, it might be. I mean, you know. Oh, okay. It takes more print to print a fat girl. Or ink to print. Is is that what you're trying to say, Jack? That it takes more ink (laughs) to print a fat girl? (laughs) I don't think it works like that. How high are you, dude? I I am pretty high, actually. Actually, I'm not. I'm going to be. But uh, no, I'm just saying it's just, you know, the dollar bill is worthless. And here we are, the military is talking or the government's talking about buying oil from them. And then, oh, wow, happenstance. All of a sudden they're like, oh, we're not, you know, we're not uh, quite socialist now. And you can use a dollar bill because it's the CIA and they're doing the, the tricky stuff. Well, the dollar bill you thing know? happened long before the U.S. government, I think, went down there. Yeah, that, that was a couple of years ago now. Yeah. But uh, uh, now they're suddenly privatizing after the U.S. government uh, said that they wanted to take oil from them? Buy oil yeah. from them. Indeed. It's certainly suspicious. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Jack. I don't trust the U.S. government. I don't trust the Venezuelan government. No, definitely not. And I don't like it when governments conspire together, collude, one might say, to right. make things happen. And Yeah, why would you <laughs> trust the very same people who took successful businesses from businessmen to honor their agreements? Hmm. Right? Oh, they'll take your 10% now, and then what's to say they're not going to take it back later and give you absolutely nothing? That's also a good point. That 10% they're selling you, they they stole from someone else. Hmm. Yeah, and maybe they're going to try to lead people on like, oh, yeah, yeah, we might sell you the whole company, but give us the 10% first. And that's just like uh, girls who date somebody who they found that he cheated on his ex-girlfriend with you. And now you're going to date him? Mm, You already know he cheats. Lepers don't change their spots, as they say. So days-long power outages are common across the country in Venezuela. Days Yeah, long. boy, I want to invest in their electrical grid. Millions of households either do not have access to water or service is intermittent. Imagine going over to the sink and turning it on and maybe it'll be there. Maybe it won't. Internet and phone services are deficient. 
Government supporters and opponents alike complain about poor basic services across the country, even if an election isn't approaching. But economists point out that Venezuela's government needs to improve some of those services, even if it's slightly ahead of the 2024 presidential election. Luis Prato, senior economist with Torino Capital, says, quote, We are no doubt seeing a paradigm shift that's largely forced by the circumstances, but also largely fueled by political survival. Since June 2014, with a significant drop in oil prices, the Maduro administration began to see a drop in oil revenues. Then we went through Weird a period. Weird how that works. Went through a period for uh, 2014 to 2019 of price controls of a more intervening state, unquote. But as the state lost the ability to generate wealth and growth, here's a hint they can't generate wealth. States, by their definition, tax. They take wealth. They confiscate wealth. They take energy from people. They, they tax you. They tax the productive. They make the productive less so. It's like, I, I think it was Franz Oppenheimer wrote, you know, there's the productive means and there's the political means. And what mm-hmm. states yeah. do is the political means. It's the means of force and violence. It's not producing anything. It's just saying, hey, that's yours. Oh, well, it's mine now. Yep. That's not producing anything. It's not creating anything. It's just stealing it. That's a criminal enterprise is what it is. Prado said it began to make room for participation of the private sector, unquote, as they lost the ability to manage these uh, things, which they never had in the first place. Again, they took over existing businesses and failed. And they had enough oil revenue for a while where it seemed like, you know, they could sort of hold it together. But then the prices of oil went down and their infrastructures just sort of fell apart. Venezuela is under a protracted social, economic, and humanitarian crisis credited to plummeting oil prices, economic sanctions, and decades of mismanagement by socialist governments. But the government has taken steps to relieve some of the economic pressures, including by giving up its long and complicated efforts to restrict transactions in U.S. dollars. As I mentioned before, they're now allowing that to happen uh, instead of the uh, the local boulevard, whose value has been obliterated by inflation. Some shares of one of the businesses, Can TV, which is one of the telecommunications companies, have long traded on the stock exchange of Caracas, which is the oldest exchange in the country. Maduro, during this week's announcement, said the state-owned companies would be listed in the country's various stock exchanges without specifying. But by Friday, the president of the stock exchange had not received any information on the planned stock sales. He said the process to register the other companies and eventually list them is lengthy and requires the disclosure of disclosure of financial documents. Even if it's the government? God, their their system is silly. Quote, it takes as long as you want to take to make the placement successful. I couldn't tell you a certain time. This is the president of the stock exchange. He has no idea. Because it's the long- government. Yeah. Adding uh, that an offering on the stock exchange could not be structured by Monday. The government established its own exchange. Oh, no. Apparently, it's not the government. The Stock Exchange of Caracas. So it says here the government established its own exchange in 2010. A government spokesperson did not respond to a request regarding the exchanges that it intends to use. Prado said the government's likely to use its own exchange or a separate digital system for now, but that it would have limited results. So already this is looking like another complete bumbling of you know what they're intending to do. It's all very confusing how they have multiple stock exchanges in the first place. Uh, I, I don't understand well, we how have that, that works. Don't we? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. I, I don't buy I, stocks. I don't know how any of it works. I, but if I buy shares of one company, I mean, I don't have to be like, oh, no. I, I, Isn't there like NASDAQ, Dow Jones, S&P, or are those all on the same exchange and they're just different subsets of it? 
I have no idea. Yeah, I have literally We're not the right no people idea. to answer that question. <laughs> I've never cared about it because it is so confusing. It's designed to be confusing, right? It makes you less money than if you were investing in crypto, so who cares? And it's totally regulated by the state. Henkel Garcia is the director of Econo- Eco- Econometrica. Jesus, Econometrica said the companies require significant investments to improve the quality of their services, which were much better before they were socialized, nationalized. Yeah. But then he warned that the country lacks the mechanism to oversee the accounting and financial reporting procedures, making it impossible to guarantee the private investment in state companies would be appropriately spent. So he's basically saying if you give these companies, these state run companies money, it goes into a financial black hole and you will have (laughs) no idea whether or not they actually did anything with it besides give it to their administrators. And it's gone. Yeah. That missing component, he said, creates a scenario similar to post-Soviet reforms in which a number of state-owned companies were privatized. Quote, if this really is the beginning of the total sale or total handing over of these companies, which to me is a probable scenario, one would have to ask to whom they would be handed over because we have episodes like the Russian one in which these companies that once belonged to the state ended up in the hands of people who were close to the government. So it's a complex phenomenon that one could say opens the door to something positive, but with the institutional weakness that we have and with the lack of credible referees well it might not end in the best way so he's predicting here that if indeed they do sell these companies off in total which they're not even talking about yet but if that's what comes they're going to go into the hands of the politically connected and they're not going to be the right people to manage them either way that sounds about right you know they're going to give it to their buddies and their buddies don't know how to run energy companies or cell phone companies or whatever they're just their buddies right you're not free to start a competitor either no Dark times ahead for Venezuela, but you can join us in the meantime. We're done for the night, but we are still online in the meantime. You can find us at social.freetalklive.com. That's our social media site. That's social.freetalklive.com. See you tomorrow.